The Introvert's Edge podcast was designed to create a dialogue around introversion, to stimulate a discussion around our disadvantages, how we overcome those disadvantages, and what we consider our introvert's edge. Together, we're finally going to confront the stigma around introversion, showing that we're not second-class citizens. We're just different, and we need to embrace that. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Introverts Edge podcast. I'm ecstatic to have our next guest with us and I have to admit this is a, a curveball to most people I bet that are going to be listening but Karen Morgan is actually a comedian. She was discovered on Nickelodeon's search for the funniest mum in America. She's got nearly 200,000 followers on, on Instagram. She's got a, a post literally about introversion that went viral and she speaks all over the US but funnily enough she was actually an attorney in her earlier life which so I, I feel like this is going to be a really interesting interview and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Karen, thank you so much for joining me. Well, Matthew, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Now, you and I, I mean, we spoke quite considerably beforehand because I, I kind of said to people, like I said to you that no one's going to believe you're an introvert. I mean, you are on stage doing comedy, which I mean, just between me and you, I can't think of anything worse for, for someone like me. <laughs> so, you know, I speak from stage, but I, I you know, I, 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 it's funny, and you tend to guard yourself in some similar ways to me, and I can't wait to get into that. But I, I really want you to help people believe that this person that I'm looking at that just seems so calm being on camera right now and also um, that speaks from stage, help me understand this introverted journey that you had. Like, did you realize at a certain point you were introverted or did you just always know? And, and, and kind of what led you to where you are today? Um, well, I, th I think I've always known it, but I don't think we have in the past, when I was in high school and college, called it, I think it, we identify it a little bit better now these days. You know, you, you can, you know, I identify, I follow different inter, inter, introvert uh, podcasts and different introvert you know, Instagram accounts and that sort of thing. Back in the day, nobody really called it that. They called it shy or they called it you know, something, something different. So, um, I've embraced it and it does as a, as a stand up comic people, I do get comments all the time, including on that viral video. Um, there's no way you can be an introvert. You're, you're, you're a stand up comic. Stand up comics can't be introverted. Well, they can. I am. Um, one of my favorite comics who's brilliant is Stephen Wright. He's very introverted. He's a good friend and he's really an introverted person. It, it, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in, introverts are everywhere. Everybody's doing a lot of different, different jobs. I, I think that's really important for, for people to hear because. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think that introverts can do everything. As a matter of fact, and we'll get into this, I, I believe that introverts actually have an advantage because of the fact that they find things slightly difficult perhaps at the beginning. But I think that a lot of people do perhaps think they're shy when they're actually introverted. And they're, right. they're, they're totally, totally different things. I, I guess one of the things that I would, I would ask, though, is, I mean, how did you find your way into comedy? And did, did, did that was that an issue for you because you felt introverted and like that was a barrier to entry for you or did, did you just blow past it? Like what happened there? Well, I have to start out with the caveat that I didn't start doing stand up until I was 40. Um, I also was a mother of three small children. So there, there, there became a little bit of a, uh, uh, having been a mom to, to children, the fear of other things is not as big anymore as you're, you're already a mom. So how, how bad can this be? Uh, I think I kind of <laughs> threw it at the wall. Like how bad could this be? I've already had three kids. Um, so, and which also led to sort of my comedy material and why I got into comedy. But going back to when I was practicing law and was a trial attorney, I think I felt the introversion a little bit more. My, my biggest fear in the courtroom was 
looking foolish. I think that was my, my top fear of all time was I was getting up in front of a jury and argue or judge and arguing, you know, cases and that sort of thing. And I, my biggest thing was I didn't want to look foolish. So I went, that was my fear. So I over-prepared every case. I over-prepared every argument. So then when I got to doing stand-up comedy, which in a way is harder than practicing law, people don't understand this either. Um, I, I just, I, I kind of approached it as a very preparedness, uh, sort of way. Like if, if I'm prepared before I go on stage, I can take away some of that anxiety that I would have otherwise. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I, I think that a lot of people feel that actually I've seen a lot of those trial attorney TV shows where, I mean, and I know they blow that out of proportion, but these, those people seem to be just dynamic. They just get up with very little preparation and they just, they do it. And I think people think that about sales and public speakers and, if somebody's doing that, they must just have that natural ability. And it, it sounds like you protected yourself through huge amounts of, of planning and preparation to make sure that when you were on stage, that while there was, or should I say, when you were in the courtroom, while there was things that were outside your control, in a lot of ways, you'd controlled most of the variables so that it was likely going to fall within this kind of space as opposed to such a broad thing that was uncontrollable. Yeah, that, that's very true. And I, I always tell young comics, you know, control what you can. And the, the number one thing you can control is how prepared you are. And, and that, and that's for any job, quite honestly, that doesn't just, that's not stand up comedy or practicing law, but you can control how prepared you are, how rested you are. Um, have you shown up on time to the meeting or are you late? And that's adding anxiety. So I tell young comics, show up early, bring your own snack, you know, bring your own bottle of water. Don't show up and expect other things, other people to help you with stuff, control what you can. And that takes away this, this, as much of it as you can. Now, there's certain things you can't control. You can't control if there's a drunk person in the audience, or you can't control if the, you know, if it's hot in the room, there's certain things you cannot control, but control what you can. And the majority of that is in your, is in your purview. You can do it. Interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to find out about your energy levels, like on stage and after, after speaking on stage. And the reason for that is I, I found myself like when I, I didn't do as much planning and preparation, or even if I, when I didn't know how to do that successfully, there was a lot of energy wasted. And I'm saying wasted because it was catastrophizing and ruminating on what, what was going to go wrong. And then when I got on stage, I found myself being super energetic and actually enjoying myself after a while. But then right. over time, like I could answer questions and then I, I, I would sit down and I, I kind of felt like I'd, I've been skydiving, right? Like that energy <laughs> level has just gone off. Like, have you found, cause you speak all over America and you're in multiple places all the time. And it, it seems like your agenda would, is, is very energetic. And yeah. I mean, I know you will work on your fitness. Like, does that play a part of it? Like, have you found that it's, it, it, do you find a similar thing with your energy or is it different for you? Uh, well, I think I call it protecting the creative energy. I, I have to cr protect my energy. So if, if I'm on stage, um, as you said, you get a little kick, you get some adrenaline, you get it going. Um, but then I find after the show, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and like literally watch TV <laughs> and protect myself. Um, I also protect my energy leading up to it. And so I try not to, I try to take a nap before a show. I try to sit quietly in my hotel room. I'm certainly not going to go out to dinner with people 
before a lot of times I'll do shows and they'll say, Hey, would you come to dinner with us before the show? We'd love to, you know, and I know that that will suck out my energy. My social battery will, will suck out before I even am performing. So I do have to be super protective of my creative energy and my perform. I call it performance energy. And, you know, I've only got enough room, so many minutes of that in a day. <laughs> so, um, as opposed to people who are extroverted and they're on all, all the time. And I think that they get energy from interacting with people. Whereas for me, I find sometimes, and not in a bad way, but it, other people will suck out my energy. So I have to be protective of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a really important thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like it, yeah. it, 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 you need to understand your energy. And I have people like, it's so weird. Like people always want to ask me questions just before I go up on stage. And <laughs> so I have to, I have to tell people to yeah. protect me from that because for five minutes, yeah. for 10 minutes, I'm just rehearsing my first line over and over and over again. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. the part that's uncomfortable. And then which we're going to get into, I get into storytelling and I tell yeah. a story from stage so that, I mean, the science behind that is it actually activates the reticular activating system of the brains of the listeners and the teller. I feel yeah. automatically comfortable. And I know yeah. that yes. you tell a ton of stories yourself. And, you know, you, it, it's interesting because a lot of introverts think that they're not funny and they have this thing called dry humor, they'll say, which is why they keep yeah. it only for their family and friends. Yet you've kind of made a career out of dry humor, not being that kind of set up with punchline, but more that storytelling kind of focus. So I was like, I knew this was going to be a good interview because <laughs> you literally think the exact same way I do. You're just doing it in a, I don't even know it could be done in that kind of comedy for, framework. Yeah. So. I'd love for you to share with people a little bit about kind of the way you think through your set, because I feel like you keep telling you kept, you kept telling me it's it's actually more about the behind what happens on stage and the planning and the preparation and the writing and to create these great stories so that I don't have to be dynamic on stage. So I'd love for you to to kind of share a little bit more about that. So when I do a set, so right now I will, I I'm doing about an, an hour. So it's an hour worth of material and it's it, in comedy, we call it a set list. So it's, it's basically a bullet point list and I'm going chronological in my set list in my head, but it's gotta be in my head before I get on stage. Um, now some comics work off the fly, they do crowd work and they're going off their set list. I'm pretty prepared, but, uh, you know, looking at comics that are very prepared sounds like they've just, they've just thought of it. Right. So, but they've actually been working on it for, for some time. Um, I, I want to go back quickly to you talking about people talking to you before you get on stage and how you need to protect it. There's something in comedy. There's, there's the green room where all the comics are backstage. And what tends to happen in the green room sometimes is that comics are one upping each other. They're trying to be funny for each other and they're trying to, and I find it so draining and I, and I try not to, I don't want people to think I'm rude, but I physically can't be around that that energy before I go on stage, it, 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 it's going to mess me up. So I will go, I'll find a corner and get a Coke to drink and hang out by myself in a little quiet area, because I find that that's a social drain for me before, before I go on stage. Cause when you get on stage, you know, this Matthew, that you've got to, you're going to tell a story. It's got a, begin, a beginning, middle and end. You've, you've got to get through it. You've got to hit your, your highlights. And as you're going through it, you do get energized because the the audience is with you. You see the nods, and you're it, so they they give you energy. And I think this is one thing that I was missing. I did a lot of Zoom shows 
during the pandemic. And some of the Zoom shows had volume and some of them didn't. I couldn't hear if the people were laughing. I couldn't hear, I could barely see faces. And it's, it was so draining to me because when you're in front of a live audience, those people give you energy back. Um, so whether you're introverted or extroverted, you need that, that energy exchange from, from the live audience. That's interesting. I, I have a question on this and it's not to do with introversion. I'm just interested (laughs) is, so I had to speak virtually as well during that COVID COVID period. Did you learn anything during that period? Like, did you become (laughs) a better comedian during that period? Was, did you find that when you came back, you were less good or it drained your energy more? Like, help me understand that. Um, it, it, my, my experience was a little bit different. I did not find that it made me a better stand up. In fact, it, it didn't help me at all because the, the medium that from which we were working in a camera, like we're, like we're talking today was very different than being in a, in a theater or a hall or whatever with, with a lot of people. What, what was great for me during pandemic was I learned to create content in my office or in my yard or in my home, which was just me and a camera, I started doing these voiceovers that the the voiceover things were great because I I was voicing my voice over another video, this lady that was doing cooking and she's a British cook and I was giving her a Southern voice and I just did it because I was bored. But what I found was, Ooh, this is great because as an introvert, I don't even have to be on camera. You know, it's so it gave me a whole new set of content that I was not prepared for. So I, I learned that in terms of what did I learn during the pandemic? I learned I don't like Zoom shows <laughs> and I don't and I and I do like voiceover work. And I did one I did one Zoom show that was in webinar mode. So I couldn't even see faces. I could hear nothing. It was like me talking to my wall in my office for an hour. And I remember I left my office and went in my kitchen and laid down on the floor and just just laid there for like 30 minutes because it was, I was so drained at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're basically just giving energy and getting nothing back for, for yeah. an hour. And like, I understand, like I know my stories and I know how people respond to them. So, and I've done it for so long that I, I actually don't mind them being over camera and I actually got better at the craft. Like I found like I became more emotive and I had to be more focused on yeah. where I was standing. So I'd move from this camera to that camera, but right in something like comedy where you don't know whether they're responding well or not. Yeah. I can imagine that would, that would, that would be tough. I, yeah. I, I am excited about what you said though, because what I, what I heard, I mean, you've had, a, you've had viral videos, but your viral videos were, you know, pr- kind of are after some of these initial works that you did when COVID first happened. And yeah. I always wonder whether or not it would have happened without that initial work. And I, I, I doubt it, but what I'm, what I am excited about is what I heard with, everybody is kind of one-upping each other in the green room. I go and find my own place. Yes. I, during COVID, realized that this part I couldn't stand, but this part worked for me. What I'm seeing is somebody that is making decisions about how to engage in the career that they're in. Is there a way that you mentally do that? Are you like stumbling into that or are you making these decisions and being more methodical about how you manage your energy? I, I think I have become more aware of it, of, uh, of saying to myself, hey, I need to protect this, this energy. And I have a woman that I consult with, and she, I, I met her during, during COVID. She was on TikTok, and I was trying to learn TikTok. So I met her in this Facebook group. And she and I have become friends, and, and, and I talk to her now. And one, one of the things I've learned from her is, you know, 
recognize that you need to take the time away to protect that energy, whatever it takes, whether it's go for a walk. Um, I'm a swimmer. I'll go for a swim. It's, I love swimming because no one can talk to me. <laughs> so, you know, go for a bike, take, take whatever you need to do to protect your energy. So then when the time comes that you need to have performance energy or creative energy in order to write, um, you've got that battery sort of reset. So, but I, I have become more aware of it recognizing that, Hey, it's okay for me to go just take a walk right now. It's okay to get up from my desk and go walk around because this is actually in the long run, helping the overall process. I think that's important. I mean, a lot of people feel guilty about walking away from their desk or they would feel guilty about not being part of that banter in the green room. Oh yeah. How do you psych, like, do you, do you feel guilty when, when these things happen or have you found a way to give yourself permission that that's okay? Um, I think in terms of it, like a green room setting, I feel guilty because I don't want people to think that I'm being aloof or rude or, or, you know, or arrogant or whatever, when it's just, I, I can't engage with that. I, I, I just physically can't engage with that. So I don't, because I'm I, probably because I'm introverted, I don't hold up a sign and said, I'm, I'm going to my safe space over here. I like you all. I love you all, but I'm going to go sit over here now to protect my, I don't, I just sort of quietly disappear. <laughs> And I think we're all introverts. We're good at that. We're good at quietly disappearing. And I think if we can recognize why we are quietly disappearing and, and also know that it's okay to quietly disappear for that reason, um, just give ourselves a break. You just have to, um, don't, don't, don't feel guilty about it. I, like I said, I just don't want people to think I'm being rude. That's my only thing. Look, I, I think that the message is powerful because there are people that are listening to this that perhaps don't give themselves that permission because they feel like they have to, but then they don't perform in that moment that it's necessary. I mean, if you were engaging in that banter in the green room and then were terrible on stage, then you wouldn't be accepted by that group anyway and they wouldn't invite you back and the audience wouldn't like you. So it's about really being the best at that time. And what's interesting is I always used to feel bad about it. And then I I started making this joke about, and again, everything with me has to have a script and a process, right? Because otherwise I'm not going to feel comfortable doing it. I used to say to people now for about five minutes before my presentation, I'm going to walk away because I need to get, I need to rotate the same line in my head to feel comfortable. Cause until I get into the story, I'm super uncomfortable, but I don't want you to think it's this introvert that's just run away and they're not coming back. I promise I will be <laughs> back and everybody laughs and it made me instantly feel comfortable. And yeah. I got better, better at telling it that way. And then I, yeah. it, it made such a difference to the way, do, do you ever find yourself like not using your introversion as an excuse, and please, if you if you do, like, feel free to, to share that. But you're more so explaining it, maybe to family members, to friends, so that they understand that what you're doing isn't walking away from them because you're being mean to them, but just because this is your process or something that you need. Right. I I, I tend to probably say it to my family more, really close people. I, I don't tell strangers I'm going to do X Y Z because I'm introverted. I, I feel like that. <laughs> that's like almost too much for that. Like that's almost too much of a a hurdle for me to take. But, you know, my husband knows when we're at a party or whatever, when I'm done, you know, and I'm just like time to go, you know, he knows me well enough. My kids know me well enough to know that I will say no to different invitations, social invitations, because I just, I just can't. Um, there's also, we talked earlier about sometimes I will do nonprofit fundraising shows and generally those things are also corporate events. They'll have a dinner 
um, before I speak. And probably you have had this as well. Before you speak, there's a dinner and you're after dinner speaker and they always want me to come eat dinner and I, I just can't do it. And so I just generally say, thank you so much. Um, but I'm, I'm going to need to prepare. I don't go into any details, but the re- the reality is if I'm having to talk to someone at a nice table and kind of, you know, socialize before I'm even speaking, my energy level is going to go down a little bit. So I, you know, I don't say all the words, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I think saying you need to prepare makes perfect sense as well. Like what it's saying is I'm not going to have an enjoyment time with you because I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work and I feel like people can never get upset with that. Yeah. 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 What I am interested in though, because I mean, you talk about not doing kind of setup comedy and you talk about preparing stories. And what I think is going to shock a lot of people is you kind of share that a lot of the success that you have is more about the writing than the being on stage. Oh and yeah. Yeah. I would assume most extroverts would struggle with that. That's maybe that's why they do the more stand up and just read the room kind of stuff. <laughs> but you really leaned into your strengths there. Like help me understand that. Cause I mean, one of the questions that I ask all the time is, you know, what do you consider your introvert's edge? And I feel that, you know, this, this answer is going to come up as a, as a response to this question. So, you know, help, help people kind of understand that, you know, the planning and preparation that comes into that kind of feeling almost dynamic on stage. Right. So my writing process and the, I've now been doing comedy longer than I practice law. So, and I'm, and I will continue to do this forever because I'm enamored with the writing process of comedy. I just love it. I love the wordsmithing. I love working out different things, but when I start writing what will eventually be a bit on stage, it is generally something I've observed or I've experienced. And so I'll make a note or two or in the airport, this happened or what, you know, or my husband did this and I said that some things like that, I'll keep a note of it. And then I'll gradually, you know, work on it until it becomes something on stage. But these, this is weeks, months, and sometimes years before it is finally to the way it's done at a full on show. Um, and so the, the process for me as an, I'm generally an observational comic is kind of quietly blending into the, (laughs) into the woodwork and observing people. Um, I, you know, when I'm traveling, I, I'm not loud. I, I have stopped telling people on planes what I do, uh, because generally they're disappointed and, you know, and, and then the people who know me and they say, Oh, are you, are you the, the comedian? And I'll say, yes, but you know, I'm not funny in real life. And, you know, cause they, they expect, they expect something, you know, they expect some sort of, you know, extroverted behavior. So I have to, people are constantly disappointed <laughs> in me in real life because I'm not, I'm a little different. I'm just quieter. Um, but when I'm, when I'm traveling or if I'm observing or if I'm taking notes on something, that's going to eventually be a bit, I am getting gritty details, you know, as, as a quiet observer, you can get a lot of details when people don't think you're listening to them, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do a lot of silent observing myself and I, I agree. It, it, it makes for some great antidotes that, you know, you can kind of practice over time. I, I think that what, I, what I'm really interested in, and, and look, I'm, I'm excited that you're coming on the Introverted Seller Summit as well, because I want to go deeper into this topic. And I think we could do a whole interview on, because I talk about like storytelling and how 
most people tell stories off the cuff and my stories that I tell in business is so, you know, I've, I've really thought them through and I've, I've worked out what things people really enjoy and what people don't and how to remove things and embellish on certain things to make them kind of theatrical masterpieces, right? So, and I, I think what I'm hearing is that you're applying that exact same strategy to the art of comedy because you're, you're doing the same thing. You're iterating and iterating the same story as opposed, because you're doing it in different places. You're doing it with different customers. And I really want to go deeper into that because I think for the, the, for the introverted sellers that are listening, and by the way, if you're a small business listening, if you're like, I think it was uh, Peter Thiel that said, if, you, if your business consists of just you and your laptop, look around. If you don't see any salespeople, you're the salesperson, right? And <laughs> That's I, you. <laughs> exactly right. So for a lot of people listening, if you think that you're not an introverted seller, you're wrong. You're an introverted uh, seller in denial, perhaps, but you're definitely an introverted <laughs> seller. So I, you know, and for those people that haven't registered yet, it's, and hopefully it hasn't passed, but it's on uh, October 9th. Um, and if you, you know, if this, you're listening to this years later, you know, it'll be in the introverted, um, introvert you platform. So, you know, it'll be uh, available to, to watch there, but, uh, you know, it's all free. So feel free to, for, to come and check that out at the introverted seller.com. But I'm going to ask one last question because I really, I'm tired of people talking about introversion as a disadvantage because I believe it's like the reason I'm successful. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you the, just the straight out question. Like, what do you consider your introvert's edge? I think my, my introvert's edge is the ability to observe and to keenly observe life on a, on a daily basis. Because I think if you're, if you're on all the time and you're, you're, you're being the show all the time, no matter what business you're in, if you're, if you're on all the time, you're going to miss some subtle things that are happening around you with other people. But I find that to be an advantage because I'm, I'm introverted and I'm observing. And the, the observations in terms of my business in, in comedy is that the more detailed, you know, descriptions you can give of certain events, the funnier it is because people relate to it more. You give a, a really specific detailed description of what's going on, whether it's a, 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 hu a human experience or just something that happens day to day. Um, so I, I find that the, the ability to be a detailed observer as an introvert is my, my introvert's edge. Look, I think that's really powerful for people to hear and a very different answer than a lot of people have said. I I find the same, I mean, even in business, I see people that are financial controllers trying to inspire people around a KPI. Nobody cares. But if they've observed <laughs> one person that was a right. customer that had a problem and they can tell right. that well, everybody can get behind it. And in yeah. sales, telling one story of one person that was struggling and their experience and their outcome, it's the details of the story that are about that person's human experience that yeah. makes the difference, not that the product was great and it, it worked. No one cares. And so I, I feel like most people would see that silent observer as a bad thing, right? I, I'm not part of it. And you're really saying, well, actually, no, not being part of it means that I can leverage it in the future. And I, I think that's, that's really, really powerful. Karen, for, for people that have never heard of you before, which, you know, is a lot harder now than it was, you know, a few months ago. But for people that have never heard of you before, like, where would you suggest people, I know you do shows all over America and things yeah. like that as well. Where would you, where would you suggest people start? Is it your Instagram, your website? Where, where would they go? I think if you go to my Instagram, which I mean, my, my website is karenmorgan.com and that's got all the socials there. Um, and if you go to Instagram or any of the socials, it's Karen Morgan comedy. 
Um, but it's funny, I, as an introverted person, I, I even have trouble saying, find me here, you know, but that's where you can find me is generally KarenMorgan.com. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll find her because when you search her name, she's the only Karen Morgan comedy that will show up, obviously, but <laughs> also it's the one with the 185,000 followers. So, you know, for those people that, you know, because people are forever borrowing people's profile photos and their identities, don't yeah. do the one that if they find one that's a little bit less, but, you know, I, I would really recommend people check it out. She, you know, she, she if, if you enjoy laughing at your introversion, you'll, you'll, you'll get a, you'll get a kick out of it. And I think we all need to, right? Because when yeah. you have an advantage, then it's, it, you're allowed to lean into it. Like if, if you see it as a disadvantage, you might not find it that funny, but if you yeah. see it as a true advantage, which I really hope at this point in the, this podcast, you're starting to feel that way, you know, definitely, definitely check it out. But Karen, thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Now, for those people that are enjoying today's episode, please make sure you take a second to, to post a, a review. Uh, please take a second to subscribe because we've got some other amazing interviews that are coming out. And if you're listening to this before October 9th of 2023, make sure you go to the Introverted Sellers Summit because you're going to get the opportunity to see part two of Karen's interview where we are going to be talking about some really I think interesting things about going deeper into the detail of story as well as some of the advice she gives to new comics that go on stage. And I think it's going to be critical for perhaps those new sellers that, or pre-established sellers that perhaps feel a little bit of anxiety around the sales process. So we'll see you there. But for today, thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Cheers. I'm Matthew Pollard, the author of The Introvert's Edge to Networking. I'm on a mission to help introverts to be proud of who we are. For the first time, you'll learn a process for networking that feels comfortable and authentic to you as an introvert. A process that doesn't feel salesy or awkward in any way. I saw at least half of my board members, three in particular that I can think of, that now are so comfortable in literally going up to people at events, all of a sudden I can see the confidence. Most of the networking books and literature out there really focus on hardcore tactics designed for extroverts. As introverts, we're different and we need to embrace that. We need a system that allows us to channel our natural introverted strengths into the networking room. You will learn how to be successful at face-to-face -face networking and a masterful online networker on your terms. It's beautifully written and it provides tremendous value. So I, I, I am honored to, to say, folks, if you haven't looked at the book, you really need to check out this guy's book. It's, it's excellent. It gives you that confidence to truly be yourself, knowing that you're gonna be presenting yourself in a way that is authentic and will also really resonate with the person that you're talking with. One of the things you'll love about the Introverts Edge to Networking is it's jam-packed full of more than 20 stories of introverts just like you. People that have likely started in much tougher spots than where you are right now and how they've leveraged the strategies that you'll be learning to obtain phenomenal career and small business success. I was about to give up on my business. The results started coming in right away. In fact, a year later, the Chamber of Commerce awarded me the business of the year. <laughs> you need to go read his book because everything he does is what people need whether they're an introvert or not. I've been fortunate to receive endorsements from some exceptional introverts like Neil Patel and Ivan Meisner, the founder of the world's largest networking group, BNI. 
What I love about the Introvert's Edge is that it talks about the things that make an introvert successful. The Introvert's Edge to Networking is going to destroy all of the barriers that you have around whether success in networking is possible for you. Now I'm up to kind of five figures you know, triple my prices or more. It was like the deals just kept coming in and coming in and it, I mean, it was incredible. Like I had never seen anything like it before. I was able to triple my revenue and that's happened within six months. We've gone from 10 million a year to 20 million a year. I wrote The Introvert's Edge to networking after the success of the first in the Introvert's Edge series, which focused on sales. I decided that it was just as important, perhaps even more so, that we had a networking book that was designed to help us as introverts dominate in the networking room and in online networking that was specifically written for us. So if you're an introvert, don't delay. Head to theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking to get access to the first chapter of my new book completely for free today.